0: my faith and just you know just doing everything i thought that i should be doing uh and then compassion international came in a couple of weeks ago and, and they showed us a story about a, a young girl named blessing and i tell you my i can't really explain it but as i was watching that and seeing that story where her mom finds blessing in a field like she literally finds a baby <laughs> in a field and she goes to her husband, they both go and they take this baby as their own. And that's a real quick way of saying a miracle of God. That, that here's God talking to these people present in their life and saying, I want you to pick up this baby, I want you to take this baby, and I want you to make it your own. I understand you have no money. I understand you're disabled. I understand you have 16 people living in a tiny little shack but I want you to do this anyway. I, I tell you, conviction, I'm just sitting there looking at this thing, and Linda and I are going through it, and I'm just like, man, I am worried about what I'm gonna eat for breakfast tomorrow, why I'm stuffing my face with food at the moment. That's my sin, my conviction. I had to say, God, please forgive me. But to see God's presence and them honoring, them honoring God and saying, Yes, I'll do it. You know what? They certainly could have walked away, and we never would have known about it. Most people would have known about it and they didn't have to do it. But they listened to God. And they knew God's steadfast love in their life. And if you went through that program, the thing that stuck out in my mind was the joy, the smiles on their faces. They gotta walk ten miles to go get water. They 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 have to carry these jugs. They're all smiling and they're all laughing. So God's really been working on my heart. And and we're going to go through the story of Joseph in Genesis 39. And I'm just going to say, get your pens, get your pencils, because there's a lot of Scripture. I didn't give you a a little pad that you can write on, but get your own pad, get your own pen, and just take notes of the Scripture. And then when this is done, you're going to forget most of what I said, but you're not going to forget Scripture. You're not going to forget God. And that's the main point. So let's pray. Lord... Change us. Change our lives. Change me. Help us, Lord. I, I beg You. to Help us to see Your presence in our lives. Help us to honor You and help us, O oh Lord, to know Your steadfast love that changes everything. In Jesus' name, Amen. So if you turn to Psalm 39, actually, not Psalm 39. If you turn there you'll be in the wrong spot. Turn to Genesis 39. Let's study God's Word together. And let's read together. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord, and just notice this, I'm going to stop reading, that the Lord is in all caps. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master, listen, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor. In his sight, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all he had. From the time he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. The presence of God, The first point we're going to talk about is the blessing of the presence of God. Knowing God's presence in your life, in the ups, when everything is going great, and the downs. But look, let's just focus in on the word Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, I am the divine name for God, Yahweh. It means covenant faithfulness, past present, and future, God's present in your life, presence in your life, in my life, is all-encompassing. He is always with you. And we do, uh, on Wednesday nights, I had David let me uh, kind of facilitate it one night, and we were going through it, and as we did, almost everybody in the room said that they have felt God's presence in their life. That knowing Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you understand you are not alone. And Joseph could understand in the situation that he's in. He's abandoned to a pit, almost murdered by his brothers. He's alone. He's then sold into slavery as a young man. So this boggles the mind, right? We can't, I can't, I don't know if you can, take that concept and actually understand what that means. What that would be like to be almost murdered by your brothers, abandoned, at the bottom of a pit, sold into slavery, and then moved in to the captain of the guard, who, let's face it, is probably at the position that he's at for a reason. He's probably not a person that's going to give you a hug and those kind of things. He'll probably just cut your head off just to do it. So Joseph is in a spot. But do you see the presence of God in Joseph's life? Everything is blessed because of God. Joseph's not some miraculous man, but Joseph is also somebody that's following. He is trusting and he's obeying. The Lord's with Joseph. We see that four times in in verse 2, in verse 3, in verse 21, and verse 23. Listen, Joseph could say these words. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Can you say that? Can you understand that God is always there? With you I remember as a young man walking from my parents' house, sitting on a hill and just knowing the presence of the Lord, not really being able to verbalize it or understand it, but knowing I wasn't alone. Matthew 28: 16 to 20, I'm just going to skip to the end, and Jesus says these words, "And behold and behold I am with you always to the end of the age." Joseph was in the worst spot a person could ever be in. And yet it's so different than what it would be like if he didn't honor and trust the Lord and didn't know the covenant faithfulness of God. I need to know the covenant faithfulness of God in my life. And I pray that you do too. We need to understand that. There's a lot of blessings from understanding the presence of God in your life. Because look, we all go through some people more than others being in a dungeon, being in a pit, so to speak, emotionally, physically. The things that happen to us, not our fault sometimes. And they just come on and they hit you in the face like a brick. But listen to this, if you know God's presence, you will be successful. Now do I mean that you're going to be a CEO of a company and make $5 million a year? Absolutely not. That may be true to some. But the the success of God has nothing to do with that at all. It's blessings, family. It's trusting and obeying and following what God's saying. I want you to do this which makes no sense most of the time. That is success in knowing the presence of God. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. You're getting the point, right? It's not what we live for in America. Bigger, 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 better. And then when those things start to kind of fall away, have this panic. And I've been there, trust me. I've been there. I remember seeing my 401k, Linda and I, our 401k just kind of go to nothing. And did I say, thank you, Lord? No, I did not. I did not say thank you, Lord, for all the money that I've worked for that has gone away. But you know what? He's teaching me. He's teaching me the riches in this life have nothing to do with money or possessions. It has everything to do with knowing about the presence of God. You know, the other blessing about knowing the presence of God in your life is that others will see that the Lord is with you. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, can you pray for me? I I guarantee you they see the Lord in your life. They're not asking you because they think you're a nice person. They know you know Jesus. And they know they need Jesus, but you know, maybe they're not there yet, but they know you know Jesus, and you're going to pray for them. That's a blessing. That's being successful. When people ask you to pray, it's such a blessing. Listen to Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just being there for somebody. Being there when they're in the pit. Being there when they're in the dungeon. Being there when they have no other place, they have no hope. You can be the light of Christ in their life, and so can I, and that is success. So others, knowing the presence of God, others will be blessed as well. You know, I've, I've uh, struggled with contentment. Failure, feeling I'm a failure and I'm not content. I don't know how you put those two together, but they're, both of them are negative and they, they really stick. <laughs> But I have to walk through that all the time. But I remember saying to the Lord, I said, you know what? I'm in this place at work and I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I'm good at it. But you know what, Lord? I'm done. I give it all to You and I'm just asking that You would help me to bless You and to glorify You. And I'm telling you, it was not the first day of work. (laughs) It's Probably 20 years in or recently. I'm just telling you, God... He's not done with you, and he's certainly not done with me. And can I tell you, I've had just as many downs and just as many ups as work, but it, I can't wait to get to work. I love it. I love it. See, God has placed me there. He has put me there in the mess and the grime. And, you know, if I shouldn't say this, but if there wasn't any people, everything would be great. Right? Including myself. Because I'm sure they're looking at me like, I wish this guy would go away. But the presence of the Lord has so many blessings. I just want to end this section. So God does so many cool things. Um, And I I just adore and love my wife. And she sings. I can't sing, but she can sing. And you could say a word, and she could just belt out a song. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that, but that's kind of cool. So I was doing my sermon, and all of a sudden I hear her from the kitchen. She's singing. And she must have heard me like practicing the sermon or something. And this is what she's singing. And I'm not going to sing it. May God's blessings surround you each day. As you trust him and walk in his way. May his presence guard. I'm sorry. May his presence within guard and keep you from sin. Go in peace. Go in joy. Go in love. I'm like that's, that's my sermon. That, that's it. The presence of God. And as we move into this next section, it's also kind of cool that the next section really is honoring God. So it's talking about when you're tempted, and when you're tempted to sin, to walk away from God. So again, let's study the Word of God together. If you could just go to uh, Genesis 39, uh, chapter, okay, 39, verse 6. And as we move into this, understand this is true. This has really, really happened. Which also is unbelievable. But it says, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, now listen, please listen to this. This is what Joseph said. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in the house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then, listen, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is Joseph's whole heart. How can I do this wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called the men of the household and said to them, see, He has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He has come into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I, I'm sorry, as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his, ma- till his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you brought among us, came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. main point here, if you don't hear anything else is that living our lives in the presence of the Lord and honoring Him as Joseph honored Him, where Joseph fled, honoring Him means we say to ourselves, when we're tempted and we're in a situation that we can go away from God and that we could do the wrong thing, that we are saying, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That means needs to be the main point in your life and my point. And we're living our lives for Jesus Christ. We're living our lives for God and we're not living our lives for ourselves. Look at the difference here between Potiphar's wife, all about herself. Look at the difference. Joseph's life, all about God. I pray I could live that way. That, that my life is all about God. And you will get into situations, trust me, You will, as a child of God, you will get into a situation where you have to make a choice, where something may be small or something may be big, and you will be asked to maybe tell a lie, maybe write a lie, maybe do something to make things easier, and you will have to make a choice. Do I honor God or do I honor myself to make it easy for myself? You will come into that situation, trust me. And Linda and I have been in those situations before and we look at each other. We're not perfect, but there have been times that stand out that we were like, no, we're standing, we're standing in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit and trusting him. And again, we're not perfect, but I I think of those times and I thank the Lord for his blessing that you can do the same. One of the biggest things about studying the Bible is great. You have commentaries, and I share this with David. I think I read The Hand of God by Alistair Begg about three times. I listened to it. I, I went through it. And a lot of the concepts that I'm saying to you here, do not trust me, don't come from my brain. They, they come from the Holy Spirit and from other people that God uses, and I get to share them with you. And I'm so thankful. But one of the things that I learned was that we lack, I lack the fear of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't you see Potiphar's wife? She is despising. Despising instruction. She's married and she knows she's doing the wrong thing and yet she's going to do it anyway. And this doesn't have to be female-male. It's everybody in the world doing what they want to do and going against God when they knew they know they know the right thing to do you know proverbs is so cool cuz it goes to and gives us wisdom and it says in there my son be attentive to my wisdom incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and that your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil but in the end listen in the end she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. Listen to what it looks like for somebody who walks away from the Lord. Never to return. Just look at these. Look at these verses here. And now, O sons, listen to me. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Now listen lest you give your honor to others. Please, honor the Lord. Unless you give your honor to others and your years to mercilessness. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner and at the end of your life you groan. How sad, at the end of your life you groan and when your flesh and your body are consumed, you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to instruction. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Do you know how many? I started to count how many people I knew that have fallen away from the Lord or have done what they knew they shouldn't have do. Even people in ministry, I lost count. I'm old enough to be able to keep counting and going through, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm not going to keep. There's so much sadness and tragedy. It takes 30 years or so to make a good reputation. You know, in two seconds, that reputation is gone. And as you're all looking at me, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it means to honor the Lord, and we're seeing Joseph here. He, again, is not superhuman. Please understand that what Joseph was able to do, that he was able to flee, so can we. But that's the point. Joseph didn't stand there and talk her to death or try to figure out where she's coming from. He saw evil for what evil was and he got out of there. There's no shame in running from the devil and from sin. Not at all. Run as fast as you can. Listen, God will help us pass the test when it comes to temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, it is not A sin to be tempted. Listen, you're going to be tempted. That's not the sin. It's how you respond to it. Responding to it determines whether you're going towards destruction or you're going towards righteousness. Do you understand? The way we respond to the testing in our lives. And God is setting us up to pass. And the devil is setting us up to fail. And this, right now, you're all saying, wow, thanks a lot for the great message. The great message there is that you cannot fail if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. You can and will honor Him every single day. Trust me, we all fail. We all fail every single one of us, every one of us fail. And yet there's a way of God's grace and his mercy. But let me just give you some other verses here about about temptation. For the one who sows his flesh will from flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. James four seven submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will. This is a promise. He will flee from you. I think my whole life is pretty much before I met Linda and she introduced me to the Lord, was running, 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 running. I mean, if somebody, and I don't know, I, I mean, if someone came up to me in my face and they were like mad at me, I'd be like, oh, got to go. Like I wouldn't stand there and say, What did I do? I wouldn't even. I would just run. So I was a young man and I decided I'm in Stony Brook University. My report card kind of looks like what it looked like in high school with the wonderful little Fs going down. And um, I was really just lost. So I decided to make myself lost and I, I went to Colorado, visit a friend and I lived out there for months. I got a job. Uh, Picture me working for an an auto dealer driving a pickup truck in Colorado, and one of the best memories I have is I forgot to shut the back of the truck and all the auto parts fell all over the road. So I'm running, and I'm still in trouble. I'm still doing stupid stuff. I'm in Colorado, and I remember going to Rocky Mountain National Park. And we're climbing up this little hill, and for some reason, I turn around, and I'm alone. I am all by myself, me and a rattle. I can hear this rattle. I hear this rattle. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to die. I just hear this thing and I'm standing there and I'm like frozen for a second. And then I ran as fast as I could. And it's the only thing I thought of when I was studying this. It's like I ran. If I'm bit by a rattlesnake in the middle of a park where we're 20 miles from anybody, I'm dead. But you know, there is an antidote but I probably would have gotten it in time. But the antidote for us when we sin is asking God to forgive us. Listen to these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to Your steadfast love. According to Your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Just listen to those words. They are hope. That's hope for anyone who falls, for anyone who goes the wrong way. That's hope because God listens to that and he answers that. He'll never turn you away. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before you. We need to understand that we can come before the Lord and we can ask Him for help. The other thing I want to point out here is that we're being tempted we also have a way out, which I said, that Jesus is our example, and Scripture. That Jesus used Scripture. And I, I always remember when I first became a Christian, my first verse that I, that I had learned is this, Psalm one nineteen nine. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments, for I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. So understand walking with God's Word in your heart is what's going to help us each and every day have the presence of God, help us to honor Him and to love Him. The other part is is that Joseph suffered for what's doing right. Have you ever done something right and then you suffered for it? Because we're going to see how Joseph suffers for doing the right thing. Matthew says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for your righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely, on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, so that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I know I'm slowing down here because... One I'm probably getting tired um, two, I just want to make sure I'm covering everything that I wanted to read. so Nick Camloy did a great job this morning, and I hope you all are able to come on uh Sunday mornings to, to his class and it's why I trust the Bible so as Nick was teaching this morning, um he probably thought I was like playing solitaire on my phone or something, but I was actually taking in everything that he was saying, and one of the things he said was. 1 Peter thirteen eighteen and as he was speaking, I was like, oh my gosh, this has to do with everything that I'm talking about, and suffering for righteousness. Now, it says in verse 13, 1 Peter, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. I, he's, I'm, he's going through these words, and I'm like, this is so amazing. God does that sometimes. for it is better to suffer for what for doing good that it should be God's will than for doing evil for Christ also suffered once for sins and the righteousness for the for the righteous for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous and that just goes to everything that I'm saying here this morning so nick thank you for doing that class and like i said i Everyone just pray about going to that because it's such a wonderful class uh, to be able to go through. Our last point. So again, let's study God's word together. The blessing of God's steadfast love. Chapter 39 in Genesis, verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. And the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Listen, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love Do you see God's presence in Joseph's life? You have a warden of a prison to look at a prisoner unheard of to say, you know what? Here you go. I'll be over there if you need me. That's not happening. It's not happening that a warden of a prison would say to a prisoner, I trust you to do everything. Joseph was so filled with the presence of the Lord that this person must have never seen anything like it in his life. And I just want you to point to steadfast love in the middle of that section there. Steadfast love. The word is hesed. This changes everything. This word changes everything. He is faithful. You know what it really means? It really means love in Action. Love in action. The Lord Jesus Christ actually dying for us, going to the cross, being buried and rose again. Love in action. If you don't get anything else, this word here means love in action. And there's so much more to it. But that's really what I want to point out here. Love in action. Listen to this. I told you... Get your pens out. Get your pencils out. Just think of these verses in in the Bible. Psalm 103. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Psalm 69. Let not the flood sweep over me. Have you ever felt like the flood is sweeping over you? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you're drowning. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Joseph's in that situation. And yet, the the prison warden is saying, I'm giving you everything. I trust you. I see the presence of God in your life. I see you honoring God. And I trust you. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good according to your abundant mercy. Turn to me. Isaiah 54, or the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my, this is God speaking, my steadfast love shall not depart from you. Leave here today encouraged. God's steadfast love will never, ever, ever leave from you. And may my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And again, God did this too. Like I'm trying to think, what's a great example of hesed? What's a great example of steadfast love? And it kept coming back to Ruth. And I was like, I don't know. I really wouldn't pick Ruth because I'm not that... <laughs> now I would. Now I would pick Ruth. And Linda, would, we're at home and she's saying, We're studying this at school. I mean, God just does those things. Like I said before, you know why I'd pick Ruth now? I wasn't thinking about it. But here's her mother in law who loses her husband, who loses her sons, and she has two daughter in laws who lose their husbands, and they're living in Moab, and Naomi says, I want to die. But I'm going back to Judah. You stay here because that's better for you. You stay here and build lives. Because she knew back then, women by themselves, it wouldn't go well. And she's trying to do the best thing for them. You stay here. One daughter-in-law says, reluctantly, I'm sure. You're right. I'm going to stay here. But Ruth, listen to the words of Ruth and understand the steadfast love of the Lord in your life. She says this to her mother-in-law. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God and your God will be my God. This is a living example of Hesed, of the steadfast love of the Lord. Ruth honors Naomi, but she honors God. She could have just stayed where she was. Easier, not easy, but easier. And she doesn't know what's going to meet them when they go, go to Judah? no idea at the moment. But she honors Naomi. And she honors God. And we all know what happens. If you're not sure, just read, keep reading in Genesis. Or in Ruth, sorry. You're all staring at me. That's a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing. My life. I have so many, and I think of my wife, and I think of example of Hesed, but I also think about my mother-in-law. You see, I met Linda and I walked in their house, and if you could have seen what I I mean I know Linda loves me, but I was different back then. A lot different. And and Linda said, I want you to come to church. I think it's one of the first times I ever wore a suit. (laughs) And I remember my mother-in-law standing in the hallway of her house. And I didn't know what she was going to say to me. She looked at me, and she went like this. I didn't know what she was going to say. But my mother-in-law said, you need Jesus, I want you to read this. And it laid out the whole gospel. So my mother-in-law, to me, is one of the greatest examples of Hesed because she's coming to a 22, 23-year-old man standing in her hallway, not knowing who I am, she didn't have to share the gospel with me. She didn't have to tell me that I needed Jesus Christ and his love and his grace and his mercy. But she did it anyway. She didn't know what I was going to say. I could have said, get out of my face. Thank goodness I didn't say that. I didn't say it because I was just overwhelmed. Well, someone would care about me that much. Do you understand the steadfast love of the Lord? Those examples are amazing and wonderful, and that's who I am. But the steadfast love of the Lord Jesus Christ far outsides any of that. Leave here encouraged knowing the presence of the Lord in your life and that He gives you the blessing to honor Him. Let's pray. Lord, I was going to say a little more, but I think that's enough. I just pray, Lord, that you, uh, you are honored and you are glorified and you are praised. And as we leave here today, we think about you. We think about the presence in our life from you. We think about how you bless us to be able to honor you and to show your grace and your mercy to others. And we just think about your steadfast love that changes everything. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.